Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. As we sit down and explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with the manager of the Atlanta Braves, Brian Snicker. Here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I'm joined by the skipper of the Atlanta Braves. He's been with the Atlanta organization since 1977 and in 2021 became a World Series champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Snitger. Brian, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, Brett, man, it's great to be here. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, like I say, heck, you're, I'll do anything for former Braves. <laughs> Speaking of that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Brian Snitker, uh, your your path. It's amazing. I mean, you know, my family, my dad, my grandpa, my grandpa, uh, when he retired, he, he was until the day he died. He was uh, a scout for the Boston Red Sox. Long tenure. But I look up and down, I, I'm looking at your your track record. I haven't I don't know if I know anybody start to finish has been in the same organization. 77, I think, was your first year. Now you're the skipper uh, going into the 2023 season. You've been there for for six or seven years. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen anybody else. It, it Every player, you know, they have that long tenure. But, oh, yeah, I had a couple years where I was with a different organization. You've been start to finish with the Braves. No, I have. You know what? And I, I don't know that you'll see that much anymore. It's just um... – you know, the, the proverbial dying breed, I think that's probably me. I mean, you're just not going to see guys hang around one organization um, as long as I have. And we had guys, I mean, when I, when I signed, we had guys that retired a couple of years ago, been here longer than me in the minor leagues, total minor leagues too, with no big league time. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a great organization. Um, I'm biased obviously for my time here and, and, uh, it's it's been great i mean i'm blessed to have been with the braves my entire career um you know there's a couple of times things happen to all of us where you kind of look back and think maybe i'm you know gonna need to make a change because they did and i tell people i've been recycled three times so um you know uh but i'm glad i stayed everything's worked out and and um you know i'm like i say i'm blessed to, to have been able to be here for so long when you got there, 77, uh, the year before, you'd been drafted by the Cubs. You didn't sign. Uh, you went back to school. You signed right. with the Braves in 77. Uh, they weren't the Braves we know now. That's 77. You know, obviously, that that famous run in the 90s. I, I got to be a part of that one year. We went to World Series, got our butt kicked. But, uh, you know, I got to see it. We had the Maddox Smoltz glass. I, I mean, I, I don't need to tell you. You were there in some capacity all the time, whether it was minor leagues, spring training, big leagues, uh, you were all over. So, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. That culture. When I got traded, Brian, and uh, I came over from the Reds in, in night after the 1998 season, and I remember sitting in that clubhouse, and and uh, there were a couple new guys. Uh, Brian Jordan was new to the team that year, and and obviously myself. And I remember <laughs> Coxie coming into the locker room, and it was a different feeling than I ever had. And he kind of gave his, you know, how you do. You give that opening day spiel to everybody. Hey, we're going to have a great year. Let's go get them. Let's go kick their ass. And Coxie said at the end, he said, uh, and to you, the, the new guys, BJ, Booney, he said, we here in Atlanta, uh, I put the lineup up every day and we go and we steamroll our opposition. And it kind of in the room, everybody just looked around and looked at 
at me and kind of gave you that wink like, yeah, that's what we do. And obviously in the 90s, they, they won the division every single year. Um, but it was a different culture. It was a different it was different than anywhere else I'd been. You know, Cincinnati, I had a great run. I was on a couple really good teams over there. Uh, Seattle, I had I had some uh, a good run in the early 2000s. We had some great teams there. But 99, that team, it was just different. It was expected. You came out of spring training. And it wasn't a matter of whether we were going to the playoffs. It was a matter of let's be healthy when we go into the playoffs because we got to get to the World Series and, and hopefully win it. Um, did you notice it? Well, you, you, you haven't been in any other organization, but was that the culture? Did that trickle down to the minor league side or was the minor leagues more what it is? That, that it's a developmental. No, it, yeah, it, a little of both. I mean, um, you know, you, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, there was a standard that was set here. Um you know, and, and it was like when Bobby, you know, he would come in and those little things like, you know what, I, and that's when you talked about that first meeting, it's like guys came in. I remember, you know, one of his meetings would be kind of dress code and, and we weren't like everybody else. I mean, he re, as you remember, he required you, you know, you wore a BDP jersey. You didn't wear pullovers with cuts, uh, cut off sleeves. And, um, you know, back then the hoodies weren't even around, um, but it was kind of. You know, it was about, you know, team and you look like a team. And I remember one day we were in there in that first meeting that you're talking about in spring training, Gary Sheffield sitting over there and, you know, he's got his glasses up over, you know, on top of his hat over the A. And one of the things that Bobby said, we don't cover that A with our glasses either. And I remember, oh, Chef, he jumped up, he took those glasses off real fast and put them behind his head, you know, and, and, um, but it was just little things like that. And, and, um, you know, and Bobby never, you know, in those meetings too, he was he was never afraid, and he tell he would tell those guys, and it was true. Um, you know, he didn't care where you played. If he thought you could help him win a game, it didn't matter if you coming out of A ball, double A, whatever. Um, he was going to give you a look, and and um, it was, you know, the expectations were high. I think all the guys, you know, yourself, everybody that came in, I mean, everybody was confident in the fact that they were going to win, like you said, and and it wasn't like we're are we going to win the division? It's almost like. Um, you know, how much are we going to win the division by? And, and um, you know, I think us guys in the minor leagues, we we're proud of that because at that time we were putting guys from our organization into the big leagues and they were making a difference. And um, I, I was very proud uh, to be a minor league manager. And, you know, and, and when those guys went up there, I, we all felt like that they were prepared and, and they were, you know, versed in how to be a big leaguer. And, and you've kind of turned that culture in Atlanta now. I mean, you've got a lot, you've won a lot of division titles since you've took over. We'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, it's coming back. And those nights, you're right. It was, I remember the day I got traded and Denny Nagel was going to the, uh, to the Reds, I was going to, to Atlanta. And I remember I was on the driving range and I think Oral Hershiser comes up to me and he says, Hey, Booney, I, I heard you got traded to Braves. Congratulations. And, you know, when you get when you get traded, nobody congratulates you. It's more of, hey, what do you think about the trade? And, you know, right. because because this is a business and I never took a, a trade personal. I always looked at it as that team wants me, <laughs> you know, and yeah. Uh, no, it was. Right. Yeah, it was 100 percent business. Uh, Atlanta had a plethora of pitching. Uh, they needed a second baseman. And to get the second baseman, you needed to give up the quality of like a Denny Nagel. So I was kind of flattered by it. Well, yeah. they're giving up a number one starter for me. So, uh, but I remember yeah, that. That's a thing. Like, feel good. It's like it, it kind of validates what you're doing. It's like somebody wants me, you know, especially a championship caliber team. 
Exactly. And, and Oral said to me, he goes, hey, you, you know, you're going to have a chance to go to the World Series now. And it was almost assumed. And I thought and that's exactly what. Well, actually, what I thought was I don't have to face Maddox Smoltz Glavitt. That was the first thing that came to my mind. And then the <laughs> yeah. second one is, yeah, and I'm probably going to get to go to the World Series. Uh, sure holds big part of those those years, of course. Uh, but the last few podcasts, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, I, I don't know why it just kind of kind of. Uh, I guess by accident, it seems that Hank Aaron, his name's been coming up a lot. I remember my brief time there. I'm a huge Hank Aaron fan. I just think, you know, if, if anybody could ever be underrated, I think it was Hank uh, just because he was known. You, you think a hammer and Hank, the average, the average fan out there and you think home run. But when you really break down Hank Aaron, he was a he was a lot more than just a home runner. He's one of the greatest players to ever play. Um, give me a give me a brief uh, story about Hank and what he meant to that to that organization. Oh, God. You know, it's great to hear you talk like that. But I'm thinking, you know, what? it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you, you're baseball through and through. I mean, you born, raised with, you know, with your lineage and, and everything and, and appreciate. And I used to always, people would tell me, you know, about Hank and, you know, it wasn't just the homers. It was, you know, the average, the, the outfield play, the arm, you know, it's like he didn't have a lot of stolen bases, but when Hank ran and stole a base, it meant something. It was for a big run. Um, you know, all that was great. As far as, you know, Hank giving me this opportunity, I mean, my God, I, I just, um, so I wouldn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't very good. You can look at my thing here. I, I was, I'm blessed to be here right now talking with you in 47 years in professional baseball. I mean, I, I, I wasn't a good player. Um, Hank saw something in me, you know, when I was in the minor leagues, and I'm sure the managers had something to do with it when he offered me this uh, a coaching job. And I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm young, I'm single. I'm literally, you know, kind of a vagabond out of my car and, and, um, but the, I think the greatest thing in my position now that Hank did, and when I was a, a young minor league manager, even a young minor league manager, I could preface that, was he'd let you do your job. He didn't micromanage. Um, and I think all of us, because he treated us all like that, he respected the fact that we were going to do our best to, to, you know, to, to make those kids and those young players as good as we could. Um, everybody wanted to do good for Hank. I mean, and I told him one time, I said, hey, you know what? You're going to give me a group of guys in April, and I'm going to give you a better product. You don't have to sit on top of me. I'm going to do this. And and um, and he'd give you that. He gave you that latitude to do your job, which, you know, I've been <clears throat> through my years. I've been in uh, different scenarios where that wasn't the case. I mean, it was like there's somebody sitting on top of you telling you how to do it, you know, and it, it's almost like, you know, my wife, she tells me to go into the closet and change a light bulb and then comes in and wants to tell me how to do it. And I'm thinking, well, shit, if you want to do that, then, you know, you go do it, you know, type thing. So um, I think we all appreciated the fact that that um, that Hank allowed us to do our jobs and trusted us. And I think because of that, none of us wanted to let Hank down. He was an unbelievable Ended up being an unbelievable friend. I, I would get a call once a week when I was managing, and his secretary would call, would call and then she's like, Hank wants to talk to you. And the first thing we talked about was the family and how's everybody doing. And, and I'll tell you a good thing, too. So, you know, you'd be managing at the half. Hank would call, and he wanted to always move somebody up. You know, he wanted to and – and he really didn't want that high draft pick or that – guy like that to be it. I mean, he really wanted, you know, that Mark Lemke type player 
to be the guy to get moved up, that grinder that's fighting like hell and he's doing good. He wanted to reward that guy. And that was back in the day when, you know, you didn't see all that player movement. Guys stayed in one level. They played. They learned the game. Um, and I hate that we've gotten away from that on another topic, I guess. But um, but he always wanted that guy, you know, th- that that type of guy. And I think he saw a little bit of that in me. You know, I wasn't a heralded player. wasn't anything like that. But I loved the game, would work hard. And I'm, I'm just – um, became great friends with him and uh, just so appreciative and everything he's done in my career. Yeah, Hank, he, he was one of my favorites. He's favorite because I'd always, you know, oh, Hank Aaron, he's the guy that hit home runs. Wait a minute, sit down. He is not a guy that hit home runs. Yes, he hit a lot of home runs, but check out, let's let's go over his statistics for his career. Early on, oh, okay. he, he was a base stealer. He hit 300 consistently. Never hit the 60 home runs, but I mean, you could book him for 40. I mean, he was just, he was an awesome player. Right. Th- those Frank Robinson, Hank Aaron, uh, you know. Oh, God. Th- those are the those are the players. Back and the and I loved too, him. When, you know, the league wasn't watered down either i mean you know we used to yeah i'll tell you a story we were sitting in, in west palm beach one time and we're sitting in the minor league uh minor league coaches room and you know we're in there and there's a draft barrel in there so we're having a beer after the after the workout and you know and hank was a guy that never talked about himself it, it was never i did this i did that and and we'd have to just pull out pull out of him stuff you know it's like somebody asked me it's like well hank how many all-star games you play in and he said, like, you know, 24, 25 or whatever. Um, I remember one time I asked him, you know, I was like, Hank, how many games did you play in spring training? You know, like how guys are now. And I know they didn't play as many, but he said all of them. You know, I'm thinking, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. you know, God, it's just, I, I just kept thinking, this, this guy's a friggin' stud, you know. I mean, He's an avatar. He, he's one of those few guys that, that we have the privilege of, of kind of rubbing el- elbows with, being colleagues, being teammates opponents he kind of transcends the game yeah no you're right i mean it was uh i I, I can say i'm just it's so cool that i've gotten to you know be mentored by him i i I always say in my career i've been blessed because i've been raised by hall of famers um and and uh you know so and and guys like hank just i used to go up in the off season every now and then i'd get bored at home or whatever and i'd go up and and i'd go in i'd just sit with hank in, in the middle of the week, like we are right now, I could go up and sit in his office and we'd talk and, you know, I, we'd talk for five minutes and then there'd be a call come in and, you know, he'd be doing business. And I just sit there and we just, you know, go back and forth and call. And I remember Cito Gaston told me one time, he goes, he goes, Snit, he goes, the guy hit 755 homers. There's a lot of people after him, you know? So yeah. um, it was just amazing how he handled all that. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Uh, you finished your playing in 1980, uh, and you were a rover right away in the minor leagues. Obviously, this is something you were thinking about as a player. Like, when you're done, okay, I'm going to get into the coaching side. Um, so, you're a rover. I think you, your first job managers was in 82, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I managed Anderson, South Carolina. I don't even remember what the league was called, quite honestly. Um, South Atlantic, I don't know if it was South Atlantic or Western Carolina. I know when I played in that league, it was Western Carolina. Might have changed. But, yeah, 82, I was in Anderson, South Carolina. And this is why your, your story is so unique. You, you're in the minor leagues, 1985. You're in the big leagues as a bullpen coach, 88 to 90. Uh, you're in the big leagues. And all of a sudden, you're back to the minor leagues again. Now, all this, you know, I think about it. <laughs> 
And, and for those of you out there listening to the Boone podcast, uh, the, the minor leagues and, and we all go through it. It's a little bit different than the big <laughs> leagues. You know, it's it, it's you don't think about it when you're grinding your way up. I remember my days in a ball and, and man, hundred bucks. And, and I had a couch to sleep on. I had ESPN after the game and I'd get to the ballpark early and hit as much as I could. Then I move on to the next next level. And I didn't care. Nothing affected me. You know, nobody in the minor leagues. We didn't have any money. We were going to the. But that was part of the grind and it was awesome. But once you get to the big leagues and you get a little uh, you get a little taste for that, you know, the beautiful ballparks and and the chartered flights and everything's first class and the spreads. And all of a sudden you're there until 90. You go back to the minor leagues. Is that a tough adjustment? And what are you thinking at the, what's Brian Snicker thinking at that point? No, you're right. I mean, it's it's like I said, it, i been recycled, I think, a couple of times, maybe, or maybe just once by then. But um, yeah, you know what? Though I, I, I kind of was. I, I think I've been very realistic with myself, my career, my playing abilities, the whole thing through the the whole journey. And at that point in time, I, I kind of felt like I was young enough that I still had something to offer, and I still had time to get back. I loved the taste. I loved seeing, and it probably just stoked me even more. Um, you know, to work even harder to get back because of what I had been through. Um, I never felt like at any point in time I was entitled to be there. Um, and so I, I think it was probably, you know, the one of the reasons why I kept hanging on and why I kept doing this and because I did have a, you know, a taste of it. And, um, you know, the teams I was on weren't good. I mean, it was, you know, we didn't have good clubs, um, but we got, you know, it was just kind of, you still learn. I mean, you're in the big leagues, you're talking to a lot of veteran coaches, players, you're being around, a, you know, a lot of guys. And, and um, uh, so I, I just, I kind of think that, you know, that probably, if I hadn't have done that, I'm not sure I would have lasted this long in the game if I hadn't had that taste. And, and then went back into the minor leagues with, uh, you know, uh, the want to get back here. Minor leagues, all your time you spent, you got back to the big leagues in 2007 as a third base coach. But it's different. I want to talk about the minor leagues versus the big leagues. Big leagues, especially now, you, you touched on it earlier. It is a little bit different now, the big leagues and these kids, and they kind of push them to the big leagues. And, you know, it's a completely different culture. You live it every day. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But what did you take on as a, as a skipper in the minor leagues? Because it's a developmental process. When you get to the big leagues, it, they they care about results. They care about wins and losses. Right. In the minor leagues, it's not necessarily that way. It's, yeah, of course we want to win every game, but but do you find that wasn't the most important thing? It was developing that next Chipper Jones. It was it was developing, right. you know, whoever it may be. Um, did you find as a, as a skipper and such a veteran uh, doing it that, that they were kind of like you took them on – took them on as like kind of one of your kids. And it's like, all right, I want to, I want to mold this kid. I want to teach him what I know uh, with my experience and, and, and uh, just what all I've gone through. What was your approach in the minor leagues? Yes, guys. You know what? Absolutely. You know, the approach I had that each and I don't know, you remember maybe the 25 guys that I had, I, I felt like they all could play in the big leagues. And if I didn't go, if I didn't approach them like that, 
then I, I wasn't doing my job. Because I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I love each and every one of them. Um, and, and I kind of, I had, I myself, I told myself, I got to feel like each and every one of these guys can play in the major leagues. And the more I did it, the more I thought, you know what? I don't know that I can say this guy can't play in the big league. I saw so many guys with the intangible and the makeup, just, you know, and the work ethic and all that, that played in the major leagues and probably didn't have the ability and the talent of a lot of guys that I have that didn't play in the major leagues. So I, I took the, you know, I, I took the, the, you know, the, I don't know, the thing that, that these guys were all big league prospects. And if I didn't treat them like that, then I was going to shortchange them. So um, I enjoyed ever. I'll be honest with you. It was tough. I said, I tell people I used to bounce my checkbook to go to Kroger and we'd go into a town and my wife would go to the uh, consignment store and buy bunk beds and for the kids. And then her and I would sleep on a mattress on the ground and um, <clears throat> things like that. So, you know, but I just, I, I was going to do everything I could to help each and every one of those guys to try and get to the big leagues. And in the end, if they didn't, um, you know, so be it. You know, it, it just doesn't happen for everybody. But I wasn't going to shortchange any of those players. Uh, you know, obviously, I come from kind of a baseball family, and and it's all I've known. You know, it's all any of us have ever known. We were brought up that way, and and you are too. You've you've got a son, Troy. Uh, really cool, yeah. really cool. I, I mean, I'm a little jealous. The Snickers uh, family wise get back to back rings. Uh, <laughs> 21 and 22 that that's a unique thing but i'm interested in that dynamic uh troy following in your footsteps uh coming up and and now he's for those of you who don't know troy's uh brian's son and and he works for for the houston astros under dusty by the way dusty had him on recently and he really emphasized how important family was to him his brothers and his, and his dad what an early influence and tough times he went through his dad but you know he talked a lot about it and, and just right. his, his teammates. And uh, how was that? Your son signed with the Atlanta Braves. And, and the only thing I can, I can compare this to is I saw it recently. Uh, my son was in the minor leagues with the Washington Nationals. My dad was in the organization as, as a VP, you know, been with him for 13 years <laughs> at the time. And I thought, wow, Jakey, he's, you know, he's got a little bit of, uh, of some questions to answer, you know, as far as his lineage and his family. Right. Yeah. And, and I want to make it as easy as I can on my son. And now his grandpa is the VP. And, and uh, I tried to have talks with my dad, if that's possible. But I said, Dad, you, you, and my dad was great. But I said, you got to make it as, as seamless as you're as invisible as you can around him because we don't want to put anything more on his plate right. than he can actually uh, deal with. And, and Jake handled it great. And, and I know because I, I played on a team, the Reds. My dad was the bench coach in 1994. And, and I remember getting that phone call and Davey Johnson said, what do you think about your dad being the pen, bench coach? And I'm a young player at the time. And I thought, hell no, I don't want to be in the bench coach. Dad's going to be following me around, watching me, Brian. I'll tell you, it, yeah. it was the, to this day. It was one of my favorite years in the big leagues. I, I loved awesome. it. Dad was a pro. Uh, we got yeah. to the ballpark and it was player coach. Uh, we had an off day and it was father son. And we get to go to dinner and and I and that's I attribute that all to him. The way he handled awesome. it, yeah. the way he handled it, and the way he treated it because I think he had a sense 
that this is maybe a little bit uncomfortable for for Brett that his dad, you know, is here. Yeah. So so um Anyway, I wonder, though, if you could ask him that now about his – I guarantee you, if you ask me that about my grandson, it would be different because he's probably like, you know, I'm going to take care of my grandson. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and I that thought – such a different dynamic. You and know, I thought, I'm Dad, don't son. take care of him because Jakey, you know, he's really – he's really uh, – I don't know. He, he's just really aware. And sometimes he'd be like yeah. – you know, dad, Gramps, he just he's always talking to me about this. And that I said, he's your grandpa. I said, appreciate exactly. I said, appreciate it's what it. We do as grandfathers. That's what we do. You know? Exactly. When when Troy was in the organization, uh, was that tough for you? Was it tough for Troy? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, he wasn't here long, but, um, you know, and, and I don't I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Um I, I, I got a little I got a few bad feelings about that because I because he was my I, I wish somebody else would have got him quite honestly. Um, and so he could have paved his own path. And and I, I kind of I, I kind of felt like he wasn't given the opportunity because of who he was going to get right down to it. I mean, I'm um, so, you know, again, everything worked out for him. He, he like, like yourself, I mean, I guess probably your dad and myself can say, you know, you guys had no choice. I mean, we raised you, you know, at ballparks and, and things like that. I remember Glenn, Glenn Hubbard gave him his first glove, a little training Wilson, you know, infield glove when we were in Macon one year. And, and, um, you know, the kid didn't know anything but baseball. I mean, he would, uh, you know, work in the clubhouse and shine play. He'd shine shoes and players would pay. He'd make brownies for the umpires. He, you know, it's it's um, when he got when he and honestly when he <laughs> when he could see over the L screen, I had him throw batting practice and catching the bullpen, things like that. So um, you know, he came by all this naturally, and and um, you know, I'm very proud of him and and what he's done because he even when he went back and after after he signed, he got a concussion. Um, and it kind of ended his, his playing career and he went back, got his masters and, um, uh, and sent out res, you know, he sat out his own resumes. He wouldn't let me talk to the Braves. Um, I don't think he sent one to the Royals cause he knew Dayton at hiring. Um, he didn't send one to the Braves cause he knew they, you know, so he's done this all. He taught himself Spanish through Rosetta Stone and that's what attracted him to the Astros. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of his path and, and, uh, and what he's done and no, he's just a product of his environment. Really cool. And, you know, from a family standpoint to 2021, uh, you win the world series and a year later, Troy wins. I, I, I think back to 2019, Aaron's managing the Yankees. They're, they're in the postseason. dad's with the nationals who ends up winning the world series. And I'd always ask mom, I'd say, mom, now, if they hook horns in the, in the World Series, who are you cheering for? That's what I want to know. Who yeah. was Troy's mom cheering for deep down? <laughs> you know what? I still have – I we, we have a uh, – uh, it's in my office. One of my daughter's friends made this um, jacket that has – it's half Braves and half Astros. Um I don't know. You know what? I, you know what? I'm just, I, I just feel fortunate that, that when we did this all, my daughter and her husband and my grandkids, um, we all got to experience it together. And, and um, it was kind of a surreal thing 
I mean, it just doesn't happen. Um, and I'll be honest, you know, when we were sitting there in the ninth inning in Houston in game six, and we got two outs, and I kind of took a peek over into the Astros dugout, and I saw Troy looking at me. You know, I know he was wondering about what's dad doing now. And um, so, and afterwards, after the celebration, I know Ronnie, my wife, and I, we met Troy down in their dugout, and we had our hugs and 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 everything kind of out of the way of everybody, and it was it was very special. And I, that's why I told him, it's like, dude, you, you know, you've been to like two World Series already. It took me forty five years to get to one, you know. So you'll have another opportunity, and lo and behold, he did. So, um, so which is really cool. And things like that just don't happen. I mean, it, it's um, it's been very special. Um, I think Ronnie. I, she'd have been great either way. You know, we had my daughter, grandsons, Troy's nephews were there. I think every, I said, when we went to Houston after we left Atlanta for the world series, I said, you know what? Some snickered. We're one of us is bringing a trophy home. So it's going to be a win-win for all of us. Yeah. It's not a bad scenario either way, except for I want, I want to win now. Some of the coolest things yeah. I've seen, you know, from a family standpoint, one of the coolest things I've seen is in 2019 where when the nationals won and and my dad watching him you know because dad's really coy he's he's close to the best you know bob boone's not a very outgoing doesn't say much but i just watched him through that series thinking to myself you know we won a series as a player in 1980 with the phillies but watching him just kind of watching his mannerisms through that world series I could tell he was so proud of that organization. And, and then yeah. when they won, I saw him cry and I just thought, wow. And he just goes, Brett, you know, I have no idea. He said, I, I kind of poured my soul into this organization and to see it. put a lot into that. Yeah. Know? He said to see it come to fruition was really cool. Yeah. It was really cool to watch that. Yeah, no, it is. It, it's, you know, in our sport, and it's like I told my guys after the game, it's like, you know, a guy, you're, you know, what, you're a world champion forever. And there's not a lot of people that can say that. And there's you're a lot right. of people, a lot of greats in sport that never get to experience that. And it's like, don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever take it light. It is. It's a big deal. And and um, when you put that moniker on your on your signature, man, it, it that means a lot. And um you know, so because it, it's amazing how hard it is to get there, how hard it is to pull that off. And um, it's why you don't see guys, you know, you don't see teams doing it a lot. So, um, you know, it, it's just it's such a hard thing to accomplish because everything's got to go right. Umpiring. I want to talk about umpiring in today's game. I had. Tim Cheetah on veteran of uh, 27 years. He retired recently and he, he gave me a little bit of a, a tutorial about what goes on behind the scenes. You know, me as a, as a fan now watching the games, I, I go crazy on that little stupid white box that they put, you know, and everybody's a, yeah, that, that, that armchair quarterback and they know what a strike is, what a ball is. The strike zones changed a little bit since my last years and in, in the late two thousands, it's kind of going North South now versus East West. Uh, but, but, but I think changes always happen in the game. I got a brother that gets seems like he gets thrown out of the game every other week, and I call him. I said, dude, would you quit with the freaking getting on the – the umpire's got to be coming into town saying, we can't stand. What's Boone going to do this trip? I said, all this, Brian, all of a sudden, you know, I was always that kind of that, that – uh, a little bit of a rebel in the family. Aaron Boone was always the nice guy. Boone, I was always kind of the wild child. Yeah. Now I'm the good guy. 
And Aaron's the Aaron's the pain in the ass. It gets thrown out of the thrown out of the game every week. I said, dude, would you leave? You, you know, you can't argue in depth on balls and strikes. I, I constantly hear you. He's like, yeah, but, you know, this and that. And I laugh. Bobby Cox, he was big about getting thrown out of games. Um Game's different now. You know, when when I was playing, we didn't have video right there in the dugout to check and and do all that. How does how do you take that? And and as far as as your your style as a skipper is when you decide I'm right. going out there and I'm going to give them everything I got. Is it something a player gives you a wink and a nod, a player that maybe you particularly trust and go, well, if he complains, yeah. it must be bad. No, yeah, there's times that I'll ask guys. That's like, where was that? Or you know, them guys always, because now they got the iPads in the in the dugout, and you can go watch the last inning. And I'll always ask, you know, the hitting coaches and everything, how was that or whatever. And a lot of times they'll come back and say, you know what, that was a strike or whatever, because you know, to me, it didn't look like it. Um, I think you, you know what, to me, you got to pick your spots. Um, and it's tough. Those guys have such a hard job, especially, you know, I'm like, I'm with you. That that damn box and everything is the worst thing that ever happened in baseball. You know, as a third base coach, I used to sit there and, you know, I, I'd get to know the umpires because, you know, every day they'd, I'd, there'd be a new one and we'd be talking. And I'd be out there for two and, you know, an hour, an hour and a half. And, and they're like telling me, it's like, you know, Snit, it's hell. I, I missed a call or whatever. And then, you know, it's all over Sports Center and MLB Network. And then my kids got to hear it about it at school and things like that. And, and basically, you know, and I'll be honest with you, there's a few of them I don't care for. There's a lot of them that I really respect what they do, how do they handle things. But it's such a tough job for those guys. I mean, it's, it's, and I, I'm, again, I'll say I hate that box just like you do. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll ask some of the players and, and all. And then, you know, every now and then it's just like, I'm, you know, I get my, I get yelled at every now and then by people and, and all, and it, it doesn't hurt to kind of, you know, tune you up a little bit to refocus you some. So, um, you know, it is getting harder to get thrown out. And that's probably like Aaron, I've, I've watched some of his things on, on, uh, <laughs> you know, on TV and everything. And that's probably the one way you can get thrown out is target strike zone. And quite honestly, I mean, it, it's, you know what, you could, probably do it more than you want to. Um, and it's like, I don't do it much. I said, Aaron's a lot younger than me. He got a lot more energy and everything. Cause I love him. I mean, I do. I love him. I love when we play against him, when I can talk to him and, and all that. And, and cause I said, he was one of the third basemen I used to talk to when I was a third base coach. Yeah. So, you know, no, for a long time, he, he does a great job there in that situation. Um, you know, when he, when I'll give him rundowns on guys that he gets that I've had and stuff like that. So, um, but you know what? Yeah, he's young. He's, he, he wants to win. He, he's got a lot of energy. Shoot. That's what happens. That's okay. <laughs> and he's, and he's definitely, and you know, I, I half kid when I, when I say I, I yell at him, I, I, I just kind of say, Hey, just tone it down a little bit. You don't have to get, you don't have to argue everything, <laughs> but, but he is, he's passionate about it. He, he loves what he, he loves his players. And, and, uh, oh, he does. and, and for I, sure, I, I he, were, we they know bad. he's got his back. I mean, they know Aaron's got no, no. their back. And I asked him one time, I was sitting with him at uh, the baseball writers in New York one year. And I was like, Aaron's like, how do you like, he goes, I love it. Yeah. That's like, how do you like man? He goes, I love it. And I was like, good for you. 
You know, I said, back when I had hair, I'd be right there with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> now that I've lost my hair and I've got a little long in the tooth, I'm a little more, you know, patient and everything. But when, when I was his age, hell, I'd have been right there with him. Go back to 2016. You get the job. Uh, like, I, you know, like I said, you started in 77. You've been up. You've been down. You probably had every job, every experience a baseball man can have yeah. at this point. You get the job. Uh, what's your first reaction? Kind of finally or this is really cool? No. No, on, honestly, I, I you know, I, when I was up here with Bobby coaching third and Bobby retired and Freddie came on, I was still coaching third. I thought if it was going to happen, it probably would be then. And then I got recycled again for the last time after the, uh, oh, hell, what, what, you know, what, Dodgers beat us out in the division series. And I'd heard, there, you know, we'd all heard they were going to, they were going to make some uh, tweaks in the coaching staff. And I remember we got back from L.A. and I was sitting there on the computer one morning at the house. And I got a call. And it's like, we need you to come to the stadium. So I went down to the stadium and they brought me in and it's like, we're going to make a change at third. And I'll be honest with you. I was kind of, well, not full of myself, but I thought, well, I, I do a pretty good job at third. You know, we just won the division. We got beat by a really good team. Um, and now I'm going to be recycled. And that, that was the one time that I really had to think about this, you know? Um, and so I went home that weekend and, and I got a, had a really good friend that was a judge of Gwinnett County and we sat on my deck and had a few adult beverages and all and, and talked about things. And cause I, I, I told the GM that, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. And then I just, you know, and I weighed everything and I'm like, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll stay here, manage AAA Cause that's what they had offered me. My mom was in assisted living um, here in Gwinnett County and I was close to her and I was like, well, you know what? This might be a godsend because if something happened to her, it's kind of hard to leave as a third base coach. Cause it's just kind of, once the game starts, that's probably one of the most important positions on the field. And, um, so I decided, I said, I'll just, I'll take this triple a job. And I, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I kept thinking too, it's like, if I don't, I, I sign on with somebody else, I'll end up in Arizona for spring training. I'm, you know, I got my family, and in Georgia, I'd rather stay in Florida, all that. And, and um, so, you know, I just, I went ahead and took the triple A job and, and um, you know, I just got kind of at, at that point in time, I pretty much put managing in the big leagues. At one point I was like, yeah, I want to try this, you know? And um, so I just kind of put it out of my mind. And then 16, we come off a road trip uh, in triple A and actually, I said, my wife and I, we were having breakfast at a restaurant and we were talking to the guy that owned the restaurant about, you know, looking at it. He had his house for sale in Buford, Georgia, because uh, my daughter and grandkids were all were there. And and, uh, and while we were there, I got a call and, and, and they're like, can you talk? And I said, yeah. And I said, no, I mean, can you talk? Can you go somewhere private? So I went out in the parking lot for an hour. And my wife finally came out and said, I'm going to the consignment store over there. I'm not waiting on you anymore. You know, so that's when they offered me the, the Braves job. And um, it's like, don't tell anything to anybody. Um, I didn't see it. And I'll be honest with you, the Braves weren't, we were, I think they, I inherited a seven and 29 team or something like that. Um, and, but I, I still wasn't, it was, it was a shock. 
when when I got that call. And then when I went to the ballpark that day, we were at home, and and um, <clears throat> I couldn't tell anybody till after the game because uh, they hadn't let Freddie know. And um, Gonzalez, who you know that that that's kind of another story because Freddie's one of my best friends. I mean, I, I love the guy today, and um, so our game gets over uh, in Gwinnett and I told my staff um, and actually Marty Reed was our, our pitching coach. I was bringing him with me um, as the bullpen coach. And, and we both of us knew all day, the whole game, um, everything was going on. And I remember the game was over. I told the other Johnny Moses was my hitting coach, former outfielder with Johnny Moses. Right. Yeah. Right. He, he I was played my, with Johnny Mo. I played. So I played with Johnny Mo. How about this? My yeah. trip, my AAA season. He was with me, and then a couple years in the big leagues. He was my first base coach uh, oh, in, really, Se- yeah. in Seattle. In Seattle. Yeah, awesome guy. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, awesome guy. So I told Johnny Mo, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, he ended up taking the team over and did a great job. He did a great job. Um, but I, so I called my wife and I said, you know, honey, I, you know, you're going to need to help me pack. And I said, where are you going? And I was, I said, I'm going to Pittsburgh. And she goes, what the hell are you going there for? And I said, I'm going to take over the Braves tomorrow morning, you know, tomorrow. And so God, it was like, I, and, and I was living in my daughter's basement at the time. Cause we had sold our house prior to going to spring training. I, I'd had a moving company come in, packed everything up, stored it for me. My, my daughter had twins. My wife was helping with them. Uh, um, so I, I'm like, you know, going back after the game, looking for, you know, some sport coats and stuff that you don't need in AAA, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm headed to Pittsburgh, man. And, and uh, yeah, it was wild. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Um, I got there and, you know, it's funny because – so we got there the first game I managed, I think we we're getting our ass kicked like 10 to two or something like that. And I'm like, God, this is just like where I just slept in triple a. And, um, so the next night we win, I get in the clubhouse and there's a bottle of Dom Perignon on my desk and it was from Freddie, you know? And I told the guys when I got the job, I was in the clubhouse and my first meeting with them, it's like, you know, this is, I, I'm really glad to get this. It's kind of bittersweet because I'm replacing a really good friend of mine who's a good man. And then that next day when I won my first game, it was like there's a bottle of Dom Perignon and the clubhouse kids come in and go, this is from Freddie. And I'm thinking, God, how classy is this guy? You know, and and um, so it was cool. You know, I didn't know what I was getting into. I, I thought I did. I'll be honest with you. I told a lot of guys um, that, uh, you know, being some long in the third base coach. And I used to sit next to Bobby all the time, listen to him do media, just kind of, kind of curious how that worked and, and everything. And, and he was just a master. Um, so yeah, here, there I am. I'm in Pittsburgh. It's like, Oh my God, here it is. You know, um, it was funny. I was riding to the airport. I flew, I flew into Pittsburgh. I'm in the uh, I'm in the cab. <laughs> it's like the first guy that calls me is David Ross, you know, former oh, player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> David, you know, calls me to. It's like, oh, I, I mean, God, I don't even remember where he was. He was playing, still playing, obviously. Um, oh, he's with the Cubs, I think, playing with the Cubs. Um, 
And, you know, he just called me to congratulate me and it was awesome. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it was, it's, was surreal at the moment. Honestly, it, it probably still is. <laughs> Such a cool story, man. It's so unique. Uh, all you've been through and all of a sudden it, it comes to fruition. Two years later, it's 2018. You're manager of the year. Uh, you win the division. Yeah. 2019, you win the division. 20, you win the division. And, and obviously 21, uh, it all came to a head and, and you win a world series. And, and, and just by talking to you, I can, I could, you know, you know how tough it is, not let alone get to the world series, but then finish the deal. I remember oh, shit. because, you know, you know, uh, Walt Weiss, one of my, one of my favorite teammates oh. all time. I always stay close with Walt and I, I yes. remember watching it down the stretch for you in, in 21 and and Walty's telling me that, you know, hey, Booty, we got this going and this going and this going. I kept watching and it kept going. I said, man, these guys are going to win it. And you did. <laughs> and and what a cool thing. But I know you know how hard it is. And, and all the all the guys through your to your pro career that you've been around, played with, played against, managed with, managed against. There's only there's there's not too many people, like you said, that can say I'm a world champion. Very rare and uh, very special. No, it is. You know, you think of just all the thousands of people that play this game. And, you know, the, the, the one guy that, that come, you know, uh, Dale Murphy, who's, you know, an Atlanta Brave and great career. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, Nuxie won a world championship. Um just a lot of really good players that's put a lot into this game and a lot in, you know, this game meant a lot to them in life. And, um, God, it, it's just such a special feeling. Um, and that's why I say I, I display that World Series trophy right there beside the TV in my living room. And when I can't sleep at 2 in the morning, I get up and I'm watching TV and look at that thing, and it, it's pretty good feeling. Um, and I know – I've never been it, – it It takes the whole building to make this happen. I mean, the whole – this is an organizational award, a world championship is, with every, everything that it takes and all the people involved. And, uh, you know, when you hand those rings out and they have them for the rest of their life, they, you know, you got a ring, you, you got to have a big part in this thing. And, um, you know, so it's, it's really cool because it's, it's like you said, it's just – it's so hard to do, and so many things got to happen right. And so I got to, I tell the guys every spring in my first, you know, we're, we're doing all these fundamentals, and we're doing this stuff, and we're doing it all. Our number one goal, it's not to win the World Series. It's win the, win the division. Because if you don't win the division, and now with the playoff situation, if you don't get in the playoffs, you, you don't have a chance to do anything special. It's not about winning the World Series when we go to – Florida in three weeks. It's about getting in, getting into the playoffs and giving yourself a chance to do something really good. Um, Cause if, you know, if you don't get in, you can't, you know what I mean? And, and cause it's, once you get in, you never know what can happen. The, hopefully you're the team that gets hot. Hopefully you're the team that things go right with. Cause if it doesn't, you're going to be going home and you know what? That's okay. You got in and you gave yourself a chance. 
Yeah, I think it's and I think baseball is so much different than the other major sports. You know, it's very rare for for a a bona fide like superstar in another sport not to have a ring. But in baseball, you mentioned the the guys, you know, I think off the top of my head real quick. It's like a Barry Bonds, a Ken Griffey Jr., a modern day guy, a Mike Trout, probably been the best player in the game for the last five or six years. No World Series. And and these are some of the best, best. These are some of the best players, not not just recently of all time no you're right and then you got guys like we had pablo sandoval in here a couple of years ago and said God, pablo you got a jewelry box full of rings and a vault full of money you know i mean he just you know he he was in the right spot with a great organization um you know we had terrence Gordon here he, he we brought him in as a you know, a late inning runner, whatever. I think that kid's got three World Series rings and been a part of it and got to experience it. And, you know, you just – and I tell our guys, you just never take that for granted because you're never – my big mantra, you never guaranteed tomorrow in this in this game. I mean, it's um, – you, you can think, because I've lived this, you can think things are going great, everything's really good, and then you get a call and you go in and they close the door and things aren't so good all of a sudden. And it wasn't for anything you did. So, you know what? You need to cherish each and every day that you have in this sport. Toughest part for you uh, of being the skipper. What's your biggest challenge? Oh, just, um, you know, the everyday because you are managing, you know, you're managing men, you're managing a bunch of them being um, aware of what they're going through. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing I can bring, I think is the fact that this game is so hard to play. I don't, I think people lose sight of that. This is a really hard game that these guys play and make it look really easy. It's not. And all the distractions that they have and being, being aware of that and aware of what they're going through. Um, I, that, that, that's a, you know, I'm, I'm a player to me. I, I kind of consider myself a player's guy and, and, you know, making sure everybody is a part, I think is probably one of the hardest things I do because I think we have created a culture here of guys post and they play every day, which I think has been something that I've tried to carry on from years past, you know, being around, you know, Chipper and David Justice and, you know, Limpke and all them guys. I mean, those guys posted every day. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, it's not about guys don't get tired. They get sleepy and, and, and it's hard and working both, uh, you know, extra guys in, and that's hard to do in this, um, this DH world now that we're in, and, you know, the nationally game, whatever you kind of had to every everybody got to play every night pretty much um but now it's kind of extra guys don't you know it's hard to work them in and that that might be one of the toughest things that i deal with um other than the bullpen uh you know especially in this dh game yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely different with that dh and and you're right the the world today the players today i i kind of watch and and i think I, I was listening to a broadcast. I think it was Eric Karos. And uh, I had talked to him since I said, I think I'm going to coin that phrase because I think it is so important. And you just said the word post when they're scouting and, they're, and when they're grading out, uh, you know, 
prospects or players, you know, you grade them on power, speed, arm, uh, baseball, ineptness. And, and he said there should be a category for ability to post. And it really resonated with me. I always prided myself on that. You know, I, I need to be out there. Good times, bad times, yeah. indifferent. I think we've gotten away from that a little bit in this modern day. Now, oh. it's not it's not completely the players. They're kind of brought up in that atmosphere, the players today. It seems like if you go to the trainer and something's wrong right away, oh, we'll shut you down. You know, I watch some teams and it's like my toe hurts. Oh, you're on the IL. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> wait, a, wait a minute. And that's that's what it's kind of become. And uh, the ability to post so important. That, that's I, I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of here is is I've not me we've created a you know what we're going to play and not playing's not an option and these guys expect to play they train they what what they do day in and day out um, I had to fight early on in this job where the analytics guys coming in it's like this guy's redlining I'm thinking what the hell are you talking about <laughs> I know what that is right you know I mean you know. I remember one time this, this story here. I I I, I gave, I gave Mark, Nick Markakis a day off, and I didn't tell him, you know, which I learned a lesson there. And then in the in interim with Nick, you know, I'd bring him in. I'd kind of soft shoe if I wanted to give him a day off because he's like, this is what I train for. I train to play every day, and I have such the utmost respect in big leaguers that play every day. And and I call them the boring pros that come in and every day is the same. I mean, I, I have so much respect for major league players. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the way guys were here over um, the course of my time here in, in Atlanta. It's like our guys posted. They played every day. They had, you know, it, it wasn't – they didn't get tired. They got sleepy. And, and, and two, I mean, it's, it's hard to win a major league game. The way I look at it, it's hard to win a major league game. If I don't play my best players, I, I'm, I'm probably lessening my chance to win that major league game. And at some point in time, you know, they're going to get nicked up and probably need a day off. But for, you know, I'll, I'll approach some of our guys. It's like, you want a day off or whatever? And they'll look at me like I got two heads, you know, cause it's, it's like, I think we've created that here where, you know what, you play every day. And you know what, the good thing is, is our, our, our bench players, um, they understand that and they're good with it. They stay ready. They stay, you know, they're on the top step cheering on their teammates. And when I put them in and something happens and they haven't played in a while, they do well because they stay ready and they understand that. Playoff format, we touched on a little bit earlier how getting to the postseason, that's half the battle and, and giving yourself a chance. You know, it's changed quite a bit, you know, from the 70s where four teams from two leagues went to the to the postseason and it was one series and then it was World Series time. So so it was really tough uh, if you weren't the Dodgers or, or the Phillies or the Reds uh, to even get a, a berth in the 70s. Um Today, obviously, and, and I think it's good for the game. I'm, I'm a purist kind of at heart. I like to keep things more the same than, than the change. I really don't like change. I think it's baseball. I think it's the great game it is for a reason. But I'm also a realist. It's 2023. Things are going to change. Technology is going to improve. You know, it's, ama it's amazing. With I'm right there with you. I, I, I echo 
everything he just said, quite honestly. I, I feel the same exact way. But I think, too, you know, now I got to kind of sit back and put my fan hat on and, and what's good for our game and the playoff, the way they've expanded it. And there's so many rounds now. Uh, there's so many. It, you've got to play so good. And as you know, you caught lightning a couple of years ago and, and you went right through and you ended up winning the World Series. But that's hard to do. You can't have a hiccup yeah. with that many rounds. At the same time, I think good for the game. There's so many more cities that are engaged down that September stretch where in the old days, it was kind of, you know, by August, late August, three quarters of the cities were out of it. The the fans weren't into it anymore. So I actually think it's a good thing for the game of baseball in general, growing the game, keeping more cities engaged as long as possible. I'm with you. You know what? When it started out this year, I I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. And as the season wore on and we were kind of, you know, laying there in the weeds and everything. And then it, after experiencing it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it was um, the fans loved it. I mean, it was, I think it was great for the game. Um, Cause I, I'm the same way as you. I, I used to be the baseball purist where, you know, I don't want the DH and then 2020 came and I saw the DH and how it worked and the way, and, and to the generation in that respect, pitchers that we're getting these kids aren't hitting i mean it, it was just like a, a dead out um they couldn't bunt they're scared of the ball all that so i became like i i said for every adam wainwright and and um uh, madison bumgarner there's 175 or 200 of them that don't want to get in the batter's box so um i i'm but I, I said after I saw how this playoff format worked, I, I, I think it's they nailed it. I think it's really good. I'm right with you. Yeah, I was I was, you know, I was thinking the DH. Well, it's cool. The National League has its own thing. And and there's the DH in the American League, which has been for a long time. But th- what changed me, what flipped me on that idea was I, you get to the postseason. And then when you'd go to the American League ballpark where you use the DH, I just thought, wow, that's such an advantage for the yeah. American League team, because fiscally they prepare for that DH. You probably yeah. got you probably got, you know, nowadays and nowadays uh, dollars, you probably got 10, 15 million into a DH, whereas you come in from the National League and, and one of your pinch hitters is going to be your DH. Yeah, right. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think that was a good move now. Just, like I said before, I think just how guys are grown and they come into the game and then there's not very few guys that have even hit in high school for Christ's sake. So, um, you know, I, I hate that, you know, we don't have Max Reed hitting on a given day, but, um, still it's probably overall where dare is probably good for Max not to do that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I like that. Like I said, I love the, I, I really do like the, the playoff expansion. One more thing before I let you go. Uh, give me a little preview of 2023. Um, man, you got a good team. One of my favorite guys, you, you got him last year. You lost a, uh, a perennial MVP guy in, in Freeman, but you brought in Ole Olson. I had him with the – I worked for Atlanta – or I'm sorry, for the A's for, uh, for a year and a half as a special assistant. And I spent a lot of time with Ole. He was an A-ball. He had that group of Olsen and Chapman and Pinder. And I'd go um, down and hang with those guys. And I've just kind of – it's cool to watch him progress and where they've yeah. gotten. You got him, uh, Albies, Riley, Rosario. And 
I asked Walt about this all the time. I said, tell me, because there's certain guys that that catch my eye. Uh, a Fernando Tatis type player. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Sotos, the, the obvious guys, the Sotos of the world. But Acuna for you guys. I know he, he was coming off an injury last year. Didn't have his best year. I'm, I'm thinking he wasn't completely right. This guy, to me, is just a. He's a beast, but give me your little preview. How, how good do you feel about going into 2023? You got spring training come up three or four weeks. Yeah, no, I love, I, I love where we're at. Alex does an unbelievable job. I mean, um, I, you know what? I'm sitting here in my office right now. We're starting our fan fest in, in a couple hours. Um, I've, I've already met a few of our new guys. Um, you know, I, I'm excited. You know, we we got, you know, Michael Harris coming off a of rookie of the year. Um, Spencer Strider, if he, you know, is a kid that was really, that was a big. He won that, 20. That, what did he win, 21? No, that was Kyle Wright. Oh, Kyle, oh that's right. Right, right, 21. Strider yeah, was I, it, almost won the Cy Young. Oh, my God. It, it, it's, um, I, I mean, we've done a great job, Alex has, of, of locking up. Um, our young guys, we are cores good. Um, we've made some, I think, great additions um, in the off season. We're going to be good, man. It's, it's, it's um, I'm always leery about doing that. I don't wanna, but we're, we're, we're a good team. And I know the, everybody else is getting better too. That, that's, you know, it's, and we fought that, like I said, we won five division championships in a row and every year it's like everybody gets better everybody spends more money everybody does this and i get asked about that and you know, i said you know what the, the the equalizer is we all got to play 162 and that's really rough i mean um that's why this is such a great sport because in the end it's it's it gets a battle of the fittest like we did last year i mean we were laying around in the weeds and all of a sudden we ain't, ain't nobody i i don't think you know anybody um, late August thought we were going to win the division and we ended up doing that. And um, so we got to play the games. I love our club. I love the makeup of it. I love the individuals, um, you know, Alex and his team in the front office. I said, the only thing Alex Anthopoulos is ever guilty of is, is trying too hard to make this team better. I mean, he never shuts it down. He's always looking for a way he can think outside the box. I mean, I, I love it. Um, I love where we're at with the group of guys that we have. And, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, we're going in. We've worked really hard to put ourselves in this position. And I told the players this last year, we worked really hard to, to, to raise that bar. And somebody asked me, it's like, you know, we win a World Series and we won 101 games. Is there any pressure? I said, these guys have felt. And I told our, my team this this last year. That's the first thing I said. You know, we went into the World Series last year, and we were facing that the, the battle tested team. And I said, you know what, boys? And at a young age, these guys, you guys are a battle tested team. You're the battle tested team now. So these guys have been through a lot at a young age and a young career, and they've checked all the boxes. They love the competition. They love the expectation. And that's a really good thing because we're a talented, good club. I don't know what we're going to do. We're, we're going to have a lot of fun trying. I know that and working. So, we, you know, we'll see. That's why we play all the games. Well, Brian, I appreciate it. What, what an awesome story yours is and, and the job you've done. Uh, 
about as good as anybody could do. Like you said, five divisions, you're kind of, you're kind of creating that nineties culture again in Atlanta where, where these well, kids are coming to the yard, a snit at the helm. And we're saying, Hey, it's not about way hey, we're getting to the postseason. It's a winning culture. And it's really cool to see, like, I, I'll, I'll be checking in with Walty. He'll give me the updates on the injuries. Will, yeah. And what can I, what can I expect as the season goes on? But I wish you all the best. Like I said, what a cool story. Uh, awesome. The two rings, seriously, this two rings. I'm still jealous of it. You get the, the two family rings back to back years. Uh, pretty awesome. But I appreciate you coming on the program. And and like we do each and every Boone podcast at the end of the podcast is we kick it back to the voice of the podcast. And that voice is Dan Levy. Dan, that's going to wrap it up for the Boone podcast. My name is Dan Levy, and I'm the technical director, producer and voice of the Boone podcast. The executive producer is Rich Herrera. The digital content for the Boone podcast is provided by Liz Landry. Please share the Boone podcast with neighbors and friends and make sure you subscribe to the Boone podcast so you never miss an episode to the show and while you're at it please give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the boom podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show for all of us here on the boom podcast i'm dan levy thanks for listening